Hello, welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge to makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve. Today, we're going to discuss about a million-dollar question. Well, there have been two years since we have been living with the pandemic, and a lot of the consumer behaviors have been changed. So, among all these changes, what are those that will be here to stay in the long term? And what are the implications for businesses? To answer all these questions, we have expert joining us today. His name is Philip Staggles, and he's joining us from Cadence International. Philip is a research professional with 15 years of experience, having worked across Europe and Asia. Currently, he is heading up the regional Asian hub for Cadence. Hi, welcome, Phil. Thanks for having me. How about we start with letting our audience know a bit more about you, more about Cadence, and what your role entails at Cadence. Yeah, so I've I've a dual role. I'm lucky to be able to be the managing director of our Singapore office, which very much acts as our regional hub.、Uh, but I also have a role in global、um, research as well、uh, within our business. And really, that entails us trying to predict what's going on in the world, trying to help businesses understand. What's happening?、Uh, we're what we call a full-service agency. We do quant, we do qual, we do B to C, we do B to B.、Uh, but at the heart of it, what we're trying to do is really raise the impact of research and make sure that people can use our insights, use data, and the world around them to be able to make better business decisions. Excellent. Sounds very exciting. So let's talk about today's topic, and、uh, maybe let's talk about in the past two years, what are some of the key observations that you have seen、um, around the consumer behavior changes that are very prevalent since the pandemic hit the region. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a difficult question because so much has changed. I think、um, there were some trends coming into the pandemic that maybe had already started. There was a, a rise of online shopping. There was a rise of maybe consumers being a bit more socially aware of the products and the services around them. But the pandemic has really accelerated a lot of that. So、uh, it's impossible to talk about change in behaviour without talking about、um, the rise of kind of online shopping.、Um, and by that, I mean it's not just the actual purchase. It's the purchase journey as a whole. People spending time online, people looking to understand,、um, I guess, really what products are out there and what services are available. Excellent. And if we zoom into specific categories, specific countries, are there any interesting nuances you want to share with the audience here? I, there's many. There's many to share.、Um, but I think some of some of the key ones are just really just the the changes and really the adaptations that people have had to go through.、Um, the Philippines have has got the maybe the biggest rise of new digital users.、Um, so a lot of people coming on, a lot of people mobile first,、um, and then they're really interacting with brands through their mobile platform. Um, Indonesia, on the other hand, maybe、uh, we're already, already there on the kind of social commerce angle,、um, but they're having a real big fight for share of wallets,、um, trying to identify who's going to、uh, take people's actual physical kind of like dollars and cents and move them across to the company. And, and there's a lot of habits of、uh, sort of buy now, pay later going on through Indonesia as well, which again influences a lot of the behaviour shifts that we've seen. Beyond that, outside of finance.、Um, Food and beverage、uh, has changed, obviously, completely.、Um, wet markets have changed fundamentally, and, and people have had to try and find ways of engaging with their customers via WhatsApp or providing cashless transfers, or or just really innovating fast to be able to catch up with what else is going on as a result of all of this kind of digital first push that's coming about. 
very interesting dynamics and uh, probably let's look a little bit more into the future and talk about the long-term impact of this pandemic. I mean, we can all agree that the world will never be the same again after pandemic subsides. Um, but it's not that easy to predict consumer behavior in the long term, isn't it? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, and sometimes sometimes it is. I, I, it's, a, it's a really tough question. I think um, Henry Ford back in yesteryear used to uh, kind of really sort of put a downer, I guess, on market research as an industry. And his famous quote was, uh, if I asked consumers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Um, but really within that statement even, there is an insight. Uh, the insight is faster. Um, so you have to try to interpret what's going on in the world and listen to what consumers are saying. Um, if you can do that, you can get ahead of the curve and you can make sure that the products and services that you have are able to fit better with consumers' needs. How does that apply to how you predict the future behavior here? We at Keynes have a, have a framework that we like to utilize. Um, so I can kind of talk you through a little bit of the sort of fundamentals that, that brings this to life for us. Um, really for us, there's a, there's a couple of different aspects I think we look at. Number one is we have to try and identify some of the, some of the themes that go into changing behavior. Um, the first is time. Uh, it takes 60 plus days um, for a habit to be formed and I think this pandemic's been going on for like 600 plus days or 6,000 years or however long it feels like for most people at the moment. But uh, So time is one which kind of the pandemic has done. The second thing, the factors really are, behaviour changes has to give you something different and it has to be better. You can't just change for the sake of change. So we have kind of five um, attributes really that we know come to play um, when it comes about behavior change. So those yeah, five things. Yeah, yeah I'll I'll right through. <laughs> I'm just on a presenter mode there. Like, um, so those five things, uh, we have convenience. Um, it's got to be kind of better, quicker, easier. That comes with time saving as well. Um, we also have cost effective. So it's got to be cheaper. Otherwise, I'm not necessarily going to um, shift. Uh, you've got to be enjoyable. There's got to be some sort of personal reward that comes out of it. And those five factors are completely different for individuals and completely different from, for markets. You know, my tolerance for getting a taxi to work um, as opposed to walking or taking the bus might be different to yours. Like those cost differences or the time differences, everyone's making that trade-off. So as part of our model, part of our framework, uh, we look to assess how much those are influenced by individuals and they rate that on kind of a comparative scale. The second thing we have to look at is how well those things are being met. So are people able to find solutions that are quicker, that are cheaper, that are more enjoyable? And if they are, that will have a far greater impact when we're looking at the model. So we put that data together, we bring our data scientists in, we kind of crunch the numbers and things like that, and it allows us to be able to come up with what we call an index. So if we now combine that index, we look at the, the index of all of that data, plus we look at the um, stated intentions of people's behavior shift, i.e. do you want to continue working from home, do you want to continue shopping online, etc. we can create a two by two. So because we work in marketing, two by twos are mandatory really for us. Um, so by comparing these two things, we get four boxes. So if I talk you through those four boxes, I can help break this down a bit more. Excellent, great, tell us more.
So the top right, the most important box, um, is kind of key behaviors of the future. This is really the start of trends. We're already seeing this happening in the market. These are elements that the model, the index is predicting uh, has a high impact on behavior change, plus people are stating that they want that behavior to continue. They're more likely to continue going to the gym. They're more likely to continue uh, doing big weekly shops as opposed to going in every so often, so they minimize their um, interaction with those in, in supermarkets, for example. The top left box, I would argue, is maybe more interesting because that can help predict the future. This is where there is a need, uh, an interest from consumers to continue that behavior, to, to want to do it, but there are not products and services yet that are meeting that requirement. So we call that almost the innovation box. Brands and services can come in and really shake that box up. It allows us to see if you get that right, consumers will love it, and that could be a future predictor of what's going on. That's where the opportunity lies, right? And that's and where the opportunity lies. 100%, yeah, yeah, exactly that. The other two boxes, like to bottom right, is like that's probably more of a short term need. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I need this now to get through this kind of particular difficulty of the pandemic or this stage of the pandemic. Uh, and bottom left, don't, don't worry about bottom left. Bottom left's not interesting, but it's the top stuff that we really get more excited about. Great. It's, it's a very robust framework as you described through it. So here's the million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> Based on this model, then what would be your prediction or Caden's prediction when it comes to the consumer behavior that will stick in the long term? Okay, I'll start off with maybe the more obvious ones, which is not necessarily going to knock people off their seats, but I think is relevant to say. So online shopping is here to stay. Um, maybe that's a good news for Lazada, for the partners, for everyone involved with that, but online shopping is growing. I'm sure you guys will have seen that, um, but the convenience, the cost, the choice that people have available for online, for groceries, for non-groceries, for everything else, that is something that's going to continue and across Southeast Asia as more and more people come up uh, into the sort of the digital sphere um, and go mobile first the more that brands have to be able to meet that mobile need that they have so that's going to keep happening uh, the areas that are probably more exciting to talk about are the ones in the bottom uh, sorry top left uh, the consumption of healthy food people want to be healthy people have a far greater awareness now of where their ingredients are coming from provenance of the, uh, the, the the ingredients, what goes into their goods, um, the, the brands almost of, say, someone like New Zealand is uh, doing fantastically well because they have rolling hills and space and things like this. So that comes into it. Um, however, understanding healthy food is really tough. Um, what do I eat? How do I eat it? How do I get it to myself? Where are my options? Do I want to buy it for the whole week, but then my fruit and veg might start going off? That's something I think that there's really an opportunity to kind of to, to explore. That's definitely an, an option for innovation. And the second one is the streaming of video content. Some form of online streaming. People like the habits. They like going to do this type of stuff, but it hasn't necessarily been completely um, uh, taken opportunities of. Uh, I think there's another area there that's kind of like rife for disruption and opportunities for brands to come in and really leverage that. Excellent. Can you tell us a bit more what exactly do those trends mean for businesses? What they can do about it? You highlight a few key interesting movements and their future, but what are the implications for sellers, for brands? I think there's, I think there's a couple. Um, one is being aware of kind of the the food side of things. So home appliances and affiliated products and services around that are going to change. Like homes in Southeast Asia are getting smaller. Like we're getting crunched in terms of space. So the traditional um, dry kitchen or wet kitchen areas are getting smaller. So the 
household appliances have to change, um, how we consume food is changing. We're using delivery services much more and therefore it's becoming more of a just-in-time approach um, rather than again kind of like you know, necessarily going to the food court every night on the way home. People are being a bit more savvy about what they're eating and how they're consuming it. So that is an area where people need to be mindful of the changing kind of macro trends um, and where they can come in. Uh, the second thing that's really changing um, is the understanding or the future development of things like the metaverse. Like it, these terms metaverse, NFTs, blockchain, augmented reality are all starting to hit mainstream but not really, really understanding what it all means. But it's definitely a sign that consumers have a desire to be in this digital space a lot more. Um, gaming is an area that is really growing. There's the trends of gaming. So the pandemic saw um, House Party. I don't remember if anyone remembers House Party, but it was like it was all the rage for like a month and then it kind of died away. Wordle is the new thing, right? Everyone's doing the Wordles, trying to work out what those five letters mean. That will die away again. But eSports, um, you look at kind of the massive immersive multiplayers that are coming in and Call of Duty and games like this and affiliated products around that. You know, in Singapore, we've got a fantastic brand that makes gaming chairs for the world. That is growing. Monitors, audio, that type of space is ripe for disruption um, because there's more and more people in the category looking yeah. to go there. A lot of opportunities for businesses here. Yeah, so if, um, I mean, you mentioned about digital, acceleration of digital as well. Um, you mentioned about online shopping and a bit on online payments and online streaming, of course. Um, so if you look into the digital space a little bit more, um, I mean, these two years, a lot of the consumer expectations have been raised because of the digital experiences. What are those expectations? Could you elaborate a bit more? And what does it mean for businesses here? Yeah, I think expectations with regards to kind of the the consumers is an interesting one. Because first of all, I think we have to kind of set our set sights on kind of what do we mean by expectations and how are expectations formed in general. Um, and you'll be pleased to know I have another two by two for you that I can talk you through. Um, so this two by two, which is a different two by two, this two by two looks at kind of like, what is the difference between um, price, expected price, um, versus kind of the expectation of what my experience is going to be. Which kind of makes sense, right? If you go and have a, a coffee at a local uh, coffee house, you're paying, what, a couple of bucks for it, you might have quite low expectations. If you're going to Raffles Hotel and you're maybe expecting to pay a lot more, therefore I want to have a much better service, I want to get a much better experience out of it. And essentially speaking, what this means is that you kind of have this scale. So the more you pay, the more you're likely to want to have a good expectation or a good delivery um, on, on that expectation. Anything that falls below that is a negative. It's a bad experience. I'm never coming back to this. If you're unable to fulfill my order online, I'm not happy. I'm not going to come back. Um, the challenge is, over time, when you start using the same brand again and again and again, um, your expectations increase, even though the price hasn't necessarily changed. So you now have to kind of think about how do you keep loyal customers happy because they are coming back to you and they want a little bit more from you. So over time, that grows. So essentially when brands and, and sellers need to understand this, it's like there is always a battle of trying to identify how you over-deliver at every possible opportunity. Once you've done that, once you've recognized the fact that that's something that you need to do, you have to then try and find out the techniques, the actual strategies for kind of doing that. And 
There's a couple. Um, one is that loyalty side of things. We don't grow loyal to things that we don't know. You have to understand who a brand is. You have to understand the personalities that sit behind it. Um, the way to do that is not always through digital. It's very hard to engage with people. So if you imagine kind of in our pandemic world, we're on Zoom, we're speaking to friends. You can continue conversations when you've met them, you've met them in real life. Um, you can continue that online. It's much harder to get to know someone for the very first time online. It's not impossible, it's just harder. So I think one of the, the, the ways of managing expectations and growing that will be for brands to be able to kind of physically interact with people. And by that I mean you need to have a bricks and mortar store, you need to have a pop-up, you need to have a way that people can come and discover what your brand is. If you don't do that, you're reliant upon those other factors. You've got to be cost conscious, you've got to deliver their products quickly. That's very hard to continually meet expectations if all you're doing is the basic fundamentals of cost and kind of fulfillment of order. If you embrace people, if they get to know who you are, then you've got a real chance to build that loyalty and then you've got a real presence to be able to then grow your business across more than just your market that you're in. It's really bring back that human touch part. 100%, yeah. shopping. Yeah, and uh, at Lazada, we also try to bring it back even in the digital space, through live streaming, through chat and all these things so that we can allow the consumers to have the opportunity to interact with us, bring back that human touch into yeah. shopping. Absolutely that. And that, that, it doesn't have to be bricks and mortar. Like, I'm not suggesting everyone goes out there and starts kind of like buying up places across Orchard Road or across like you know, the, the most expensive cities um, in the world, for example. But I do think there needs to be a way that you can interact. And digital is good, offline is better. For that so finding ways and building a strategy long term that is about customer engagement about loyalty is about understanding the needs of people that is something that's going to lead to better results long term mm. so the omni-channel hybrid model of creating that human touch at every single touch point of consumer journey is critical yeah absolutely that and again it doesn't have to be as traditional as a shop it yeah. can be an event it can be the sponsorship of an event um, as time changes and we hope that we can have more kind of like you know concerts and sporting events and things like that there's an opportunity to get involved with those people's behavior has changed but people still like the social interaction with others and if you could be part of that conversation um, brands have a great opportunity to really kind of to come out through the pandemic uh, in a far better position than when they started excellent excellent sharing do we have any final thoughts you want to share with the audience here uh, yeah, I guess um, from my side, it's a uh, it's a tough time, right? We go into lockdowns, we come out of lockdowns, um, travel's open, travel's closed, travel's open but with restrictions. Uh, there will be constant upheaval for probably another couple of years. So brands have to be able to be flexible. They have to be able to be um, able to adjust and understand what is a fad and what is a trend. Um, Honeycomb cookies coming out of kind of Squid Games is probably a fad. We probably don't need to be worrying about that long term. However, engagement with people is absolutely critical. So for me, as um, I said right at the beginning, uh, my goal is to kind of raise the impact of research. I would love for more brands and services to put their customers right at the heart of their strategy, right at the heart of their decision making, um, because if they can understand who their audience are and who their potential audience might be, they can put far better strategies together. Think about digital, think about offline, and think about engagement. If you get all of that right, um, companies will continue to grow. 
Excellent. Thanks a lot for the sharing, Phil. This is Azana Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, take care. Oh, <laughs>